0: to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. I am Leland McRae. Joe Deck is with me. We are talking all things that matter to you, the Augusta County sports fan. And nothing really local high school to talk about, so we'll just jump straight to the college football teams, Tech and UVA, both in action this week. And we'll start with the Hokies because that's what we actually watched. And uh, Joe... We played UNC. We did not win, but we scored a bunch of points. Um, one thing that's been common on our podcast the last couple of weeks was our support of seeing Hinden Hooker play football, whether that was before the first scheduled game or then the first game that actually happened, where he then ended up uh, having to be out COVID-related reasons. Fine. But especially last week when it seemed like he was dressed and ready to go and we really didn't see him, we were really calling for him to play this week. And we didn't get to really see much of that until the second half when it was kind of already too late because we had already been down 21 nothing, and it wasn't going well. So we lose 56-45. Hooker plays the second half. We actually start handing the ball to our best running back we've had in years, more so in the second half. And um, you just start to easily look at what could have been in this game.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, you 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 mentioned it. We we dropped behind twenty one nothing. Then it was 35-14 at the half. And I I'll say this: I'm not going to blame Fuente for going for it on that fourth down because I, everyone likes to say, "Well, you gave UNC a short field." Did you watch our defense play? It, it they could have started at their own one and they would have scored before the end of the half. Our defense wasn't stopping a soul, so I don't care we about needed that the
1: score. There, we yeah, needed
0: you the needed score. the score, so I don't mind going for it again. I just have a problem with the personnel you chose and then the play um, the play calls. Terrible. How many many pass plays do we have where we only have one route? Because I'd like to take them all and throw them away. And if that means we have to, like, build a new playbook because that's all Cornelson had time to draw up in, like, the five minutes that he remembers he's not done, you know, game prep for the week, I, I guess that's what it means. But it just seemed like too many plays I was watching. I was like, there's only one guy that is more than five yards off the line of scrimmage. This is not going to work. I don't know how That's many times we have to see that. And again, it just goes back to the point I made at the beginning of the year, and you said, well, you know, let's see. And, and I'm right. Burmeister's not good. I've got news, folks. You know why he wasn't good at Oregon? Sure, it's because he was a freshman, and also he's not good. Sometimes freshmen are just not good. And Burmeister's not good. He can't cut it at Oregon. You know why? I heard Joe Montana say this, and he's exactly right. The difference between most good and bad quarterbacks is decision-making. And Burmeister is bad at it. He's slow to make decisions, and when he makes them, he's not great at the decisions he chooses to make. He should have had a pick in that UNC game. It would have been very similar to the one he had in the Duke game, but luckily it hit the turf before the UNC guy could get on, dive under it and pick it off. But he missed his wide receiver again on a simple pass in the flat. He can't hit that route. If he, he can't do that, he doesn't well. belong and he will not on our team. He's he's not good. I'm sorry. He's a great runner. OK, so is Hendon Hooker and so is Quincy Patterson. And I know Hendon Hooker's a better passer.
1: And that's what's got. That was what was so. I've, I don't I thought we could have seen this in the Duke game. I, I guess I just have to assume Hendon Hooker just was not ready to play against Duke because he was ready to go against UNC We still didn't start him. So I I don't understand what I don't understand that. I just I don't know what Hooker has done not to earn a starting spot. I'll tell you what it it is. Win a bunch of games in the ACC. Yeah, he did that last year. Healthy. You reportedly was last week. So I just I just don't understand it. I'm I'm glad he's already announced he's starting next week. That's my mom could have made that call. Uh, Hey, start that guy that played the second half.
0: Well, I mean, Um, you say that. But I mean, we watched Ryan Willis crap the bed until we had two losses before he finally made a change last year. So I'm glad it's just one loss this year. But I'll I'll tell you what I think it is. I think Hooker doesn't kiss his rear end. I think that's what it's about with Fuente. I think he likes to have his rear end kissed. Maybe Burmeister does a better job of it than Hinden Hooker, and that's why he got to play, and he got to poop himself on the field during the Duke game, which we won, and he gets to poop himself in the UNC game where he puts us behind 21 two different times. It's just all he does is go out there and crap himself. (laughs) <laughs> all he does is go out there and crap himself. And then we're all sitting here going, well, I mean, l- look, look what the defense did. Yes, look what the defense did. And if Hooker started, we still we might lose a shootout in a frustrating fashion. Yeah. But at least, that, that's... at least then I can say, you know what? We went down with our best players on the field for four quarters. And our yeah. defense just didn't cut the mustard. Now I'm saying, yeah. yes, our defense didn't cut the mustard. But we also went behind 21 points twice because we had our best players quarterback on the sideline and we didn't use our best running back inexplicably the entire first quarter.
1: And in the post game they was asked specifically about that and fuente said, "Well, if we're not getting first downs, he's not getting carries." Well, funny enough, when you did start giving him carries, we got first downs. I I don't understand the logic of that. you because you're trying there is say, no logic. Hey, we need we need Herbert for four quarters. We're not going to just, you know, ride ride him like a horse in the first quarter. I would understand that logic, but then don't say the opposite of that in the post game. Don't also Win in that fashion at some point, and I'll believe it. So right now, just play your best guys and see what we got. Stop trying to overthink everything. And I think that's what I saw with the play calling on the offensive side of the ball that really frustrated me, is that we were just making things too confusing and too hard. Just keep it simple and and go. And, and I'm not saying only have one pass route. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying don't get too cute you don't have to do everything as much as I it was cool to see hooker catch the ball because it just reinforces hey our offense is more dynamic with a minute we don't need to do that stuff and we can still play good football and also maybe take a snap under center on fourth and one or third and one at some point in our lives like that we're so far away from that right now as a program and it drives me crazy because that's that is what Virginia Tech football is is third and one and we know we're nowhere getting it and now it's we're in shotgun and we just hope our momentum can fall forward when we hit the line of scrimmage. It's just, it's just frustrating. We're down 15 guys again this week, so it just starts with a negative tone, and then when you go down 21 and our best players aren't on the field, absolutely, it's frustrating.
0: Yeah, and but again, you
1: th- can't-
0: if he puts Burmeister in this game, you're going to laugh and say, oh, Joe, but seriously, you fire him because he's an idiot. He has proven to you that he is too stupid to run a Power 5 program. There is no, let me tell you the one quarterback that he can put in to sub out hooker in certain instances when he's healthy is Quincy Patterson. And you do it when you're inside the five yard line because, and you know what that play is? That's when you have one pass route because I do, I don't know if I love Quincy Patterson's decision making all the time either. But that way you say, look, this is an RPO. This is an RPO. You're either going to hand it off to the running back. You're going to look at that receiver. If he's open, you throw it to him. Otherwise, you're a human bowling ball, and you kill some kid in your way to the end zone because that's yeah. what he's going to do. That's the only time you take Hunden Hooker out and put a different person in at quarterback. It's never Burmeister. Never Burmeister.
1: And as, and, as e- and as much as I think it's just cut and dry for us our, to look at the offense and say, hey, start the right quarterback and hand the ball off to the good kid. It's easy for us to analyze what we did run on offense and plus being down one twenty-one nothing basically because of our offense. But you can't ignore our defense got slashed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Six hundred and fifty-six yards. We gave up. We gave up the 56 points. Our the what was disturbing there is that we have all sorts of defensive backs out. True. And some of and they got burned in different spots. But our front seven was terrible. Mm-hmm. Our front seven was healthy. One guy missing, I believe. Mm-hmm. And they were getting just thrown around ran over they were getting 10 yards of play and that was because of our front seven and then they'd go over the top and beat one of our cornerbacks and that that stinks but i'm gonna i'm gonna give those guys a break a heck of a lot quicker the fourth string guy the you know the matheny kid who has a scholarship to yeah, he not be not a wrestler a at yeah. uva he gives it up to come play football Sure, he got burned. He, didn't, he had some great plays the other week. He did not have great plays this week. I'm going to give him a pass and talk about our front seven, who are scholarship players, not walk-ons, that are just absolutely getting trashed against a team that I know they're eighth when we played them and now fifth in the nation. They are not that much better than us talent-wise. They look extremely better coached. But when you put our good guys on the field and put our talent on the field, things evened up a lot more. Maybe we don't win that game playing straight up even the whole way, but we're not, we're not down 21-0 at any point in that game. We're not fighting from behind the whole game. It's going to be a battle game. You know, Last year was a real tight game, and we played everybody we had. I, I just see that game going a lot differently if we just have our talent on field. But we can't ignore that our defense front seven was very weak. And I said this after the NC State game. NC State game, we won, we were happy, we just thought we were going to lose that game, so we were very positive. We were giving up seven yards of carry in that game, too, and it was that front seven, so those guys got to get better, and that's a lot of the, our team leaders and that, that group of guys that have got to play better if we're going to win half our games this season.
0: Yeah, the Boston College game is going to be tough. I mean, if we don't play any better than that defensively, that's going to be another tough game. Now, the good news is is going to start, and hopefully he won't get pulled for doing too good or whatever pisses justin fuente off that week scoring touchdowns i guess and putting us in a position where we might win so um i I don't know how this team is ranked 23rd even if you're not ranking big 10 teams i don't know how this team's ranked 23rd
1: i think nc state going and beating everybody after we beat them is is only helping that like the the transitive property is probably helping us
0: maybe i i'm glad we don't play nc state again
1: I'm fine with them winning a bunch, that's for sure. Yeah, we've already
0: played him, and we already beat him. That's fine. Uh, I'm just saying, I think if we had to play him again, I think we'd lose. That defense isn't good. The defense isn't good. And now, I'm not going to be one of these guys that says, oh, Hamilton, first time he's calling plays defensively and calling the defense. We get killed by UNC. Is it him? No. We played the best team on our schedule by a mile, and we got beat. And you didn't have your best offensive players in. Again, the second time you were down 21, you put Hendon Hooker in and within a quarter he's got it 42 to 37.
1: Yeah, we're within 5 points. Yeah. 5 points. Yeah, sorry, sorry. I was to, math. That, yeah. At the end of that quarter, at the end of the third, we were 42-37. Yeah, it was it was we yeah. immediately came back. The whole team played with better spirit with him in the game. We just you got to have him. We have Boston College this week and then Wake Forest, Louisville and Liberty. So there is manageable games ahead of us boston college is the hardest of that group so right here yeah. here's a prove it game here's right up right now i know we just lost one game but we now have to prove ourselves that we are good we have good talent and and, and that's what i'm propping ourselves up with is what we were able to do against unc when we had our talent the ball game so i think boston college is a winnable game lord knows if we do it or not but we could go on a little bit of run here with some wins and gain some confidence. That's what I'm hoping for from my op- for my optimistic, that's what I provided this podcast point of view here. Let me now tell, tell you, us how we're going to be 0-4 in the next game.
0: I'm not, but I'm just <laughs> going to say, let me tell you another factor to why I think Hooker's better. Hooker does a better job at spreading the ball around. Burmeister, he says he doesn't have any favorite targets. He throws to two people and two people only. It's uh, Robinson and it's Mitchell. When Hooker's in the game, Trey Turner gets a lot more looks and does a lot better. I don't think that's because Trey Turner's only open when Hinden Hooker's in the game. I think Hinden Hooker can read a defense a little bit better than Burmeister. And again, it goes back to my decision making. I'll
1: tell you what statement.
0: I just think Burmeister's not, I don't know how to say this other than he's not good. He never was good. And you have a bunch of idiots buying into whatever Justin Fuente says. And they're like, well, Justin Fuente says he's the best guy. Well, Justin Fuente said Ryan Willis was good, so I don't know. Maybe if Justin Fuente said go lay on 81 and wait for a bus to hit you because it's a good thing to do to beat COVID, are you going to do that? Or are you going to say, huh, that seems like a really bad idea? Maybe Justin Fuente's dumb. Maybe he shouldn't be coaching a team that has aspirations of winning the ACC in the next decade or winning anything of any value ever in their program. I don't know. Maybe, that, maybe that's what the takeaway is, that this guy – Can't tell that Khalil Herbert's his best running back, so he should give him more carries. And he can't tell Hendon Hooker's been his best quarterback every year he's been there, and he hasn't played. I don't know. We we have to put him on the bench because, you know, well, we got this transfer from Kansas. He sucked there. Uh, He wasn't any good. He's never been good his entire life. But, you know, maybe he'll figure it out in the ACC at big boy football. Oh, wow, Ryan Willis sucks. I cannot believe it. Okay, well, now we got this kid from Oregon. And hear me out. He has more turnovers than he does touchdowns. And he is a total chump loser when he's at Oregon. But let's take him out of the Pac-12, which is a pillows-soft conference, and move him to the ACC and see what happens. Oh, he got killed? God, I can't believe it. I can't believe he's not successful. This is just so mind-boggling. Hey, I'm sure Rutgers has a quarterback. Do we want to see if Rutgers' quarterback wants to play here next year? When Hooker transfers because he tells Justin Fuente he's too stupid to read and know who his best players are? Because I got news for you. You keep messing with Hooker. he's going to do it. He's not Quincy Patterson. Who I
1: mean, he entered, he entered let the playoffs already.
0: Let me say that. I don't know why Quincy Patterson's still here.
1: Yeah, why is he still here? I don't know. That guy like
0: is more did. positive than anyone, by the way. He loves Virginia Tech. That guy, I don't care who, what people say, you don't love Virginia Tech more than Quincy Patterson. Because for that kid <laughs> to still be here, he absolutely loves Virginia Tech.
1: I, I've consistently not been as negative on Bromeister as you, but I have never disagreed that I've, I've always, I've said straight out, not agree or I didn't care what you said. Hooker should be starting this season from the beginning. Only health kept him out and he should have been starting as soon as he was ready to go. So I'm glad we're going to see that this week. It gives us a better chance to win football games, which you'd think is the point of it all. UVA who rode an upswing (laughs) of the last, last season from before then a little bit, this is probably their biggest disappointment of a loss that they've had in a bit here. They they've had some losses, but you know, losing to Clemson and losing to some decent teams, that's not as big of a problem as NC state. I don't think is good at football. And I think we showed that when we played them, they play with some heart because we saw them beat Pitt, And now we've seen them beat UVA 38, 21. Now you would, you would think if you looked at a lot of Twitter, well, UVA lost their quarterback and this and that, and they're playing with this guy and he, wear number 39 or well, I don't know what number he was wearing I did but,
0: notice that and I asked yeah. that question to my brother I was like why is a guy wearing number 36 third quarterback that's the punter
1: playing. yeah
0: you know. I was like maybe that's why UVA is <laughs> not doing good is because some kid wearing like number 36 yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah I don't know so, if that's really
0: their backup quarterback God bless him but
1: I saw a different some number. comments like that on Twitter as the game was going on so I was like okay like kind of justifying what was going on and I just figured you know, the quarterback went down early and, you know, that's why they were down early and, and then things settled in. No, they were down 24 nothing, or most of that with their quarterback still in there. Um, and then he got knocked out. They got a score before halftime to, you know, mm-hmm. get some momentum before halftime, but turnovers killed them. They're playing with their second-string quarterback who's trying his part out, but he throws some picks. Lindell Stone is the is the big kid there playing quarterback, and they lose the game. And um, I, I just – I don't think NC State's very good. I, I, I hate to say, hey, one of the teams we beat isn't very good. That's why we beat them. But I just didn't see much out of that team. Even when they played Pitt, I just didn't think they were that great. I just thought Pitt was worse. So this has to be one of the biggest disappointment, loss, disappointing losses UVA's had, in a year or so. And so they'll try to rebound against Wake this week, and and they probably will because Wake is probably worse than NC State and worse than I think they are. So it'll just be interesting to see if they're able to rebound like that. I know you didn't watch much of that game, so I, I don't want to put you on the spot there, but I, I was just surprised they, that of the scores, when I saw 24, nothing, whenever I'm, I'm evil laughing on a Saturday, that means UVA's losing by a lot. I was surprised to be evil laughing on Saturday. So um, we'll see if they rebound there. I just, I mean, their coach, their coach usually makes good decisions. I'll give them that credit. We've given that credit before, whether it's football or how to manage a football team in a pandemic. He seems to make good decisions and say smart things. So I was just surprised to see that really go the opposite, pure opposite the way I thought it would go.
0: I just think, again, NC State has switched quarterbacks since we played them. The quarterback that started for them in that Virginia Tech game when they dug themselves in that huge, huge hole is no longer the quarterback. The guy who scored at the end of that game against us is the quarterback. I think if we played them again, I think we would lose. So you can say NC State's bad. I'm not going to argue. I don't think. I don't think,
1: I don't think we're that bad. We
0: got stuff to clean up, but like I think we gave we up 656 talent. yards we have... when we played a real offense. I think that's not good.
1: We also put up a lot of points.
0: We're not Alabama.
1: We're not we can't Alabama. give up 600
0: know. yards of offense and still win a game. We're not that good. Uh, again, okay. Uh, I think everyone else on our schedule, we're better than everybody else. I'm looking at UVA, Clemson, Pitt. Well, maybe not UVA, but Clemson, Pitt, Miami, those are all losses right now if I had to pick them.
1: I don't I don't think I've seen what it takes for us for me to say that we'd lose to UVA or me I
0: I, I said maybe not UVA, but Miami, Pitt, Clemson, I think all three of those are losses right.
1: I now. I don't think we're losing to Pitt. They just lost it. I don't think we're losing to Pitt. Clemson and Miami, I'll I'll I'm not arguing. Pitt can run the ball. I I now that Miami's lost, it'll be interesting to see. We've seen this in other years. I know they have a different coach, but you see Miami lose a game, you see them get knocked off the we're back and the U is back, and then we're going to win a national championship, Miami again, and things unravel. I just it's I, it's just something to watch as we go forward. They might here.
0: run for three hundred yards against us.
1: They lost to Clemson. Not much to talk about. Uh They really, for the half, old Dabo, put the kicker out there for a 61-yard field, gets blocked, Miami takes it to the house right before halftime. What was he thinking? Like, you don't do that. You don't do that. He owned it at halftime going to the locker room. Dabo owned it. Hey, that was a mistake on my part. That was bad coaching. But what are you thinking?
0: Got to see if he can do it if he needs it.
1: He's coached in national championship games. He's out here pulling a 61. He wants to know if
0: he can make it if he needs it. It's well, good to know, know if you have it the
1: other way. That's oh, the answer. Seven yeah. It really played a big
0: factor in the game
1: too. As Soon as they brought that kicker out, I was like, what is he thinking? Like you think he would have watched the kick six even. Cause Miami had a guy back. He was probably going to catch it and run it back. What are we doing?
0: What was the final score? 42, um,
1: 17. It was closer when that happened.
0: Okay. They had dominated I, them. I would, I would <laughs> take Dabo Sweeney now. every day of the week and twice on Saturday before I took Justin Fuente.
1: That's why I'm surprised that he made such a poor decision, Joe. Like that's my point. If Justin Fuente makes that, I mean, it's in the list of stupid decisions that he would have made. Dabo Sweeney is coached in national championships. Actually, games. you know what? He's coached well enough.
0: If if Burmeister is right. going to be our quarterback, I hope we line up for 61 yard field goals before he throws picks.
1: Our kicker kicked a deep one. That was nice. God,
0: he's good. 55. Yeah, that was 55. That's five, what, six yards shorter? I don't hear you getting the crucifix out for Justin Fuente. Hey,
1: it's all the difference of making it and missing it. Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> Florida got upset by a and I just don't like J- Jimbo. And you responded to me on Twitter, what, you don't like a guy from the ACC that can win a national championship? I don't like Jimbo Fisher. I'm not against... Well, well, you don't I mean, like Dabo, Dabo.
0: You don't like Jimbo. I'm sick
1: of Dabo. I'm tired of Dabo. I'm just like, I want, I want it. I'm jealous of Dabo. Jimbo. I just don't like, I, I wish we would have had a young coach come into our team and light a fire. Like Dabo has at Clemson. I wish we could have that. Fuentes is not that guy. I'm jealous of Dabo. That's why I don't like him, but Jimbo. I just, I just don't like him. I, I don't like how he bolted. I like, you had that program set up for you at Florida State. You were, you know, the coaching and waiting under Bowden. You're building that program, win a national championship, and he just runs off to A&M to never do it again. Like he's never going to do it again. He's I I I want to just a stake dinner bet with you that Jimbo Fisher doesn't win another national championship.
0: Um, I well, I mean, he might not win one at Texas A&M. I don't know. But... He could
1: win it at Florida State. He had a good thing going there.
0: Didn't he uh Didn't he go to Texas A&M or something? No.
1: What do you What do you mean? Oh, like a I thought he in had there a tie.
0: A yeah, I thought he had a tie to Texas A&M. It it, it, would, it would appear not. No. Okay. I, well, I, I don't, don't know. know.
1: I don't know about that. I just uh, he's not going I don't know do what
0: his tie. Gonna. I I thought there was a tie there, but maybe I'm totally It looks like I'm totally wrong. I'm looking at it right now. But I don't see it. But uh money talks. So okay. Money talks. That's that's all I got to say on that. I mean, uh, why am I mad at him? Why am I mad at him for getting paid more money? I'm not betting you a steak dinner on him winning a national championship at Texas A&M.
1: He's not gonna. That's that's what I'm saying. Okay. I just like, why, why don't you stay at Florida State and win this conference every, you know, one every three years, and give yourself a shot. Other than in the SEC, just getting beat up every week, it's, it's not going to happen from there.
0: How's How's Florida State doing since he left?
1: Because they hired Taggart, the guy that you know thought he should start uh, Brummeister at quarterback when he was a freshman, and they hired this joker that, well, another you know, says he has his team well communicated with, and he hadn't even talked to the guy like. They, they're not doing a good job hiring people since he left. They're they're in shambles with him leaving.
0: Another not reason him. he left is because he said he wanted to upgrade the facilities at Florida State, and they said no. So he said, okay, bye. Maybe he knew it was going to be hard to recruit there.
1: Just Go have fun being third in the West. Okay. Tennessee, Georgia rocked them. Georgia pulled away. Bama. Mm-hmm. Bama, that's the surprising thing. Bama gave up 48 points, gave up 600 yards to Ole Miss old Lane Kiffin had something going there. He didn't have any defense going there. And that's why Bama just scored more, but he made Alabama's defense look bad. And um, five touchdowns out of his running back. And I mean, they were able to run all over Bama and that you don't see that often. So that's, that's some film that every other sec team is really going to be looking at in these next couple weeks. Alabama's got a hard little schedule here. They play huge game this week against Georgia. It's the night game on CBS. And then I think they, is it Tennessee the next, I mean, they, they have a hard little stretch here for Alabama, uh, a lot harder than it's been for them. So it'll be interesting to see how these other SEC teams react to what was shown on that tape against Ole Miss.
0: Auburn might be a game because it's the Iron Bowl. Georgia next week will be a game. Nobody else. Tennessee else will
1: roll over. I know that. Tennessee
0: will, yeah. All smokey will roll over. LSU
1: surprisingly mm-hmm. bad, yeah. Uh,
0: it's right, so come yeah. to drop off that much. Yeah, maybe the SEC, I don't know. Maybe everyone's a bit overrated this year.
1: No one has defense.
0: <laughs> yeah. No one, no one seems to be interested in playing defense. That's that is true.
1: Everybody's on the big 12 plan. And speaking of the big 12 plan, Texas, Oklahoma, mm. the red river, red river show rivalry is what we're calling it now. Rivalry. Red, red river disagreement. Cause we can't, you know, talk about shootouts, which that game was know. a shootout. I had smart, I had smart butt comments to say about a Saturday. Then I say it out loud now. And I, have feel dirty so anyway oklahoma wins in four overtimes your favorite quarterback and ncaa he got it done there um and uh oklahoma wins so now both texas and oklahoma are two and two and uh pairing that with tcu's loss to kansas state where gary patterson was pleading for hey everybody oklahoma and texas lose you think the big 12's done what are you talking about we're still here well they lost to kansas state big 12 is absolutely Done. done I didn't argue with you when you said it two weeks ago. I didn't argue about it last week. This week is another reason. It's absolutely done. And it was a fun game to have on the second TV while our game was going on. It's a lot of scoring going on between those two games. Uh, but uh the Big 12's done. That's that's all it's yeah, been pretty. Big present.
0: 12's dead. Um super disappointed that Texas wasn't able to win, even though it would have kept the Big Twelve a lot, maybe. Um Huh. I just hate seeing that kid win. God, he's such a yeah. jerk.
1: Yeah. He is just a lot of arrogance coming out of that kid. So look at how awesome was it
0: when he uh, had his injury and uh, they had to work on him after he threw the ball straight up in the air for a pick. Oh man. So while that game is being played, obviously is the Virginia tech, uh, I don't know, practice where they had 11 guys on the field just trying to trip a UNC player on his way to the end zone. But I, we could have used that we, UVA
1: coach from back in the day. We to saw trip people out.
0: Brad and I are on my laptop, I have the Texas-Oklahoma game. And while we are watching the UNC guy run into the end zone celebrating the first time we were down 21-0, I think, the this Spencer Rattler kid from Oklahoma is getting sacked and just throws the ball up in the air. And I just instinctively laugh. And my brother looks at the laptop thing because he knows I'm not laughing at what's going on on the TV. And he sees what happens, and he's laughing because he's seen that season. And he's sitting there going, because Gus Johnson and them are talking about, oh, this kid's so great. Uh, he's the number one prospect out of Arizona, blah, blah, blah. And Brad goes, uh, are they going to ask, uh, why didn't he finish the year as the number one prospect <laughs> out of the state of Arizona? <laughs> I was like, No, no, they won't. But that being said, I love Gus Johnson. Joel Cladd, I could do without, Johnson. but Gus Johnson's amazing.
1: Gus Johnson is amazing. I miss him on March Madness basketball. Um, all right. So this coming week, we got George Alabama already talked about it. Appointment viewing, right there, no doubt. We play at a similar time, so you just got to work out two TVs because George Alabama's got to be on in the room. Yeah, it's going to be uh, laptop. While yep. you're enjoying the hockey game. So now we get to Leland's rant second week in a row. And I feel like you ranting about the same things week after week. So they announced the ACC schedule for October 24th. And mm-hmm. who'd have thought they put UVA back on the ACC network? Virginia Tech gets a little bit of a break for Comcast users. Virginia Tech gets to be on the RSN playing Wake Forest at 3.30, but Virginia has Miami at 8 o'clock. And so I get my tweets start going again. It's ridiculous that Comcast and um, the ACC Network can't work things out, and the ACC is playing games with it, allowing them to schedule these games on ACC Network. I was like, I want to know how – you know UVA has been on there a bunch. I want to know exactly. I want to I see it for the whole whole league to make sure I'm not being unfair. So I run a quick tally, look at everybody's schedule, see what games they played on. Sure, Virginia Tech and Virginia had an ABC night game lined up that got canceled. It didn't happen, so we can't count it. But Virginia has been on the ACC network every single week. They've been on the ACC network every time they've played football. And then I noticed Pitt has only been off the ACC network once. And I was like, well, Pitt, I didn't expect that. You know, I have some stats saying Virginia Virginia Tech, you know, it's been on there a lot and that's fine. And between, you know, starting to pair up the states and kind of look at some trends and between Virginia and Virginia Tech, you know, eight, 90% of the games that have been possible have been on there. But here's Pitt, you know, all but one. That's surprising. What's going on there? And so I just do a simple Google search for Pittsburgh. Um cable provider acc network sure enough there's an article from september 12th where hey the only other place in the acc footprint that has a problem with one of the leading cable carriers for uh for the local areas is comcast in pittsburgh and so it's so obvious what they are doing and i know it's the guys handling the money that are making these decisions and they're the ones saying you know we need to put the pressure on them we want these people calling in saying that they want the network and that we that way um the cable rider will cave and 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 take on the carriage fee and all that the acc is not smart to allow this to happen you're jading your fans that existed i mean you're talking uva fans that have been in the acc forever and you're you're making them mad you're making them mad and it's a bad decision at a time when people were reminded that they can live without sports last spring most of this summer i think it's a scary time to start leaving these people without what sport they want to watch. Cuz hey, when this thing does get taken care of or their, you know, cable service does adjust, are are the ratings going to be there? Are they going to be back? Are you going to gain all these people back? I I'm not sure. I think this is a bad decision by them. Same thing for Pittsburgh. I know Virginia Techs off that network this week, but it's bad for the state of Virginia, it's bad for ACC in the state of Virginia, and it's bad for Pittsburgh. I it's a it's just it's so obvious, and it's written on the wall. I don't feel like I'm some you know, lawyer finding the – it's obvious. It's just out there. Every single week you see Pitt and the teams from Virginia on the ACC network. they got to do better. I don't understand why we have to watch on ESPN and ESPN2 at noon and 3.30 games, why we're getting the likes of Troy, Middle Tennessee, uh, uh, UTSA, Texas State, Arkansas State, Coastal Carolina, those are the teams that have been on ESPN and ESPN2. Well, you know, it's a pandemic. Big Ten football is not playing yet. The ACC should be jumping at the opportunity to be on the national networks while the Big Ten's not here. Because here in two weeks, we're going to get Penn State and Minnesota on at 3.30. Because who really cares about that game in this area? We should have already been watching ACC, UVA, Virginia Tech, Pitt. All these games should have been playing on ESPN and ESPN2 during the day. I understand at night you're going to have whatever the biggest game of the day is on ABC. I get it. But during the day, there's no reason to have coastal Carolina on there instead of UVA and whoever they've played these last couple weeks. It's just, it's mind boggling that the ACC network that the ACC think this is what's best for them. Um, this is major league baseball. This is the equivalent of what major league baseball does. They're making stupid decisions around money and old people and trying to they think they can control the old people when the young people are going to be gone. They're going to be watching SEC football because they're on at 330 and CBS, and every, they cycle those teams through there. Maybe not Vanderbilt as much, but they get a lot of those other teams represented on CBS throughout the season and the big games. And then if they're not on CBS, they're right there on ESPN. They're not hiding teams on the SEC network just because of cable disputes and this and that. You've got to straighten this out. The ACC's got to fix this. ACC networks not cycling UVA through there because they want they are playing games anyway. Let's move on. NFL network Cowboys, oh Dax injury was disgusting. I looked up from the dinner table to see it and it was just the worst.
0: Yeah, I didn't see it live. Uh, I was driving back, uh, but I saw I saw it later and it was pretty gruesome. Uh, that's up there with you know top five injuries I've seen live. Pretty pretty gross.
1: It's funny the not funny. Uh, it's okay the funny part of it and Then we'll jump back to the what you just said Is immediately everybody said well You know Dallas Cowboys can still be okay Because you know they can lose their starting quarterback And be right well they do have Andy Dalton Who has taken the Cincinnati Bengals To the playoffs before So he's won football games with bad teams They play in the worst division That we've seen in football for quite a while Even the old uh, mm-hmm. NFC West wasn't as bad as what this NFC East is doing uh, now And so there's actually some points there. I know Cowboys get a lot of credit and when it's not due and they get pumped up, but yeah, you can still win that division.
0: Maybe, but I'll say this. That might be the worst defense in the history of the NFL. It's bad. I When I was watching that game, my brother's a Cowboys fan. I was watching it with him. And I was like, look, Brad, I'm not trying to rub it in or anything, but it seems like whatever kind of play the Giants want to call, they're going to get at least five yards. And it seems like, Kind of like what I said about Virginia Tech. They have 11 guys on the field, and they're just trying to get in the way and trip somebody before they cross the goal line. It seemed like some of the plays with Dallas, it was just like the 11 guys in the white jerseys would just run around like chickens with their heads cut off, and eventually they would run into a guy with a blue jersey, and he would fall down.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's a bad defense. I keep saying, though, I know Giants are 0-5. I'd I'd like to like see what the line is for the Giants to win that division next year because I don't see how great the rest of that division's gonna get next year. I think the Giants have pieces and they get uh the running back from Penn State back in there. I just Barkley. They're they're not a terrible, terrible team. They're not as bad as their record shows they are. They're not gonna win a lot more games because they're missing so many pieces. But I'm telling you, man, I, I I think in a year or two they're they're gonna be decent at least. Um, so okay. the season will move on without Dak. It's I'll a give reminder you that. for
0: you can what? have that. You can be out on that limb. I'm not going to join you there. It's a little too shaky for me.
1: Fine. It's not like firing Roy Williams or anything. Um, the
0: They should have. UNC would have won a national championship if they had fired him halfway <laughs> through the season.
1: The Browns are 4-1. They beat the Colts. Colts were one of those teams that I was kind of debating, are they a playoff team or not, when I was kind of adding that additional playoff team in our preseason picks. Browns beat them. And uh, Browns have pieces, obviously, and that coach seems to have them all running in the same direction. So that sets up an interesting game with the Steelers next week.
0: Yeah, I don't know what to make of the Browns. Like, I don't know if they've just been picking on teams that they're just slightly better than or if they're actually kind of good. I mean, we beat the stuffing out of them, but
1: I mean, the top three teams in that division are a combined 12 and two. Three out of the four team. I mean, twelve. Yeah. I mean, that, it's crazy. And the Browns. I mean, I, I guess beating the Colts is I kind of give them credit. Like I don't mean the Colts are terrible. They're not good, but they're not terrible. I don't know. I think Steelers whip, whip them, and I hope they do. But it's just surprising they're That's even at four and one. When no you talk about the Steelers for. being four and zero for the first time since 1979, it just surprises me to see this week's coming game against the Browns, who are four and one, and they're a terrible franchise. So it just surprises me.
0: Good thing you have direct TV, right?
1: Uh, no, I'll be red zone in that one.
0: Okay, yeah. Well, you can't watch it then.
1: But I'll get to see my team. I'll get to see my team play some on Sunday. I'll get to see every touchdown they make, and every time they're approaching the end zone, I'll get to see it.
0: And every Baker Mayfield touchdown. I don't know. Is that a game where Bane can show up? Because I don't want
1: either one of those teams to win.
0: That's a Bane game.
1: Yeah. You would. It's like how I thought a couple weeks ago when you played them. All right. <laughs> I want to double back to Thursday because I don't, oh, I, God. people just laughed about this on Friday morning and then everybody moved on. Tom Brady didn't know what down it was at the end of the game. Turned the ball over on downs. Cause it was fourth down. He looks to the sideline, puts four fingers up. He's real confused and goes off. You know what? That's not good. Surprising out of Tom Brady, a guy that's won more championships than, you know, mistakes he's made in the, fourth quarter like he always you know when they're getting the ball there i turned to my wife i said well they're about to win like it's tom brady coming out they didn't get it done okay he was confused what's going on that's weird everybody laughs and moves on why can't tom brady be the kind of guy that just would own up to it instead of sending bruce arians out there to lie about it and say oh he knew what down it was and try to make excuses and tom brady doesn't even admit just you know what I screwed up in the competitiveness of all this and trying to fight back in this game and battle in this and battle that, you know, I, I got, you know, I got sacked on that play and then I stood up and threw the ball and it was for, I would, I got mixed up and that's something I can't do. Like, why can't he be a big enough man to do that? Like what, like what does he have left to prove that he has to lie and skirt that conversation? Why can't he just say it? I messed up.
0: Cause this year's not about any of that. It's about, Am I better than Bill Belichick? Did I make the Patriots or did Belichick make the Patriots? That's what this year's about. And if he says, I forgot what down it was, people are going to be like, "Mm, how many times would that have happened at New England if Bill Belichick hadn't told him what down it was? Mm." There's going to be those people. Have you been on Twitter? Twitter's full of idiots. Every day I'm on Twitter, I lose a little bit more faith in this country. So that's...
1: The line of the weekend is in that mode is uh was it Denny green for the lakers shot in game five the game winning shot and missed it badly Mm -hmm. and then he received death threats and so during game six uh mark jackson says you know i we're we're better than this as a country to be sending death threats to each other and jeff van gunney's like i don't think we are that was the quote of the weekend like yeah and it's true we aren't better than that it's proven every day particularly around our political system that we're not better than that i mean there's I just watched a video today of a woman threatening to sue a lady for having a sign up in her front yard. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing with our lives? We aren't better than that. And why aren't we good enough? Why isn't Tom Brady man enough after all these MVPs or, you know, he's won some MVPs, but all these super bowls he's won. And he just can't say, obviously you saw what happened out there. I, I I messed up and didn't win the game and I'm really disappointed. in it, And we got to be better than that. I have to be better than that. He's he loves screaming at other people's mistakes on the field. Why can't he, just, oh, yeah. man up no, he do and just say, you know what? With everything going on there, uncharacteristically, I messed up. Most times in those situations I've succeeded. And this is a different feeling for me at this moment. You know, it's not like I've never failed before, but you know, this is kind of a different way of doing it. And I, I got to be better than that. Why can't he just say that? Why can't he be that kind of man?
0: I don't know, Leland. Maybe one day we'll have him on the podcast and we can ask him.
1: I don't see why ESPN can't rip him the same way that I'm trying to right now.
0: Wow. Well, because that doesn't get ratings.
1: <laughs> um, football team played. L.A. Rams played better. they won 30-10. to 10. I don't have much analysis on that. There's going to be a lot of those games for the football team. They're going to play games and lose. That's what's going to happen. But this week they could play the Giants. It's an opportunity for them to win. It's an opportunity for me, for the Washington football team to prove that I'm wrong about the Giants having some I was going to say, field. if the Giants but lose to the Washington
0: football team, you need to take your New York Giants take and flush
1: something it. Something tells me, though, that that's not going to be any kind of blowout. I think it's probably going to be a competitive game, and it'll be in 17-13 with one of those teams doing slightly better. Great. And it won't be 17-13. That it'll game be shouldn't like be on 18, TV. it 14 or something. That it'll game be shouldn't numbers. be
0: on TV. You shouldn't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be, be able to watch years. that in this country.
1: Yeah. Fox should just abandon it. Put that on the ACC network.
0: Yeah, I'm okay with that.
1: Right, Ra- Ravens on a Sunday afternoon. Ravens uh, beat the Bengals <laughs> the same way. watching football teams have a lot of games they lose thirty to ten. Ravens are going to have a lot of games they win twenty seven to three. The defense is solid. Took care of the Bengals. Bengals stink anyway. I saw uh, a lot of
0: Ravens fans mad that we didn't win that game by more. I was just like, I don't know. We won by twenty four. Yeah, I. I texted you. I, and maybe it was oh, in the group Hara text. Maybe it was Hara in Hara, the group uh, text. I was going to say, we yeah. don't have him. RG3? No, don't do that. Um, <laughs> but and maybe it was in the group text, but I thought it was to you. Uh, where, like, near the end of the first quarter, we're already up 17 nothing, And I'm worried about Joe Burrow. Because he's just getting killed every <laughs> single play. And I just, you know, and I don't know if people, I don't know if you or if it was in the group text, if people thought I was joking. I was being dead serious. I was like, they need to get him out. Like, I'm scared he's going to get hurt.
1: Yeah. You know what? I have been trashing on Joe Burrow. I know he's a, in, a, in a rival team in the, in the conference, in the district there. District. Um, the division? The division, he stood in there. Joe Burroughs stood in there, and made some plays. And a lot of these games, the Bengals have lost or tied have mostly been on their defense. I mean, he's, he's out there trying to make some plays against the Ravens was a bit tougher of a day for him the toughest day he's had, but I, I don't think he's going to be terrible in the NFL. Uh, Ravens have the Eagles this week and, uh, that should go similarly. Steelers already talked about them having the Browns, all those games played at one o'clock. So all our local people, I know there's a lot of Steelers fans around here, uh, you're, you're only going to get two of the three there, or you can watch some red zone like I'll be doing. Great. Um, let's go to baseball. Mm-hmm. Let's talk some baseball. Tampa's up to, two games, none. That's nice yeah. to see.
0: Yeah, I needed that. Because if the Astros had been in the World Series. Now, look, the best part was actually Friday night where the Tampa Bay Rays came back and beat the Yankees when they hit a awesome. home run off of uh, Chapman.
1: And it was a Valley leaguer that did it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. John Leonard was the first uh, to call that out that I saw. Um, But that was great that he was able to do that. Michael Uh,
1: Brassou, who's a Waynesboro general. Yep. Back at 15. That was awesome. Barely caught on in the majors. And there he is hitting a game winner. Off Chapman.
0: Yeah. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy in a role as Chapman.
1: Against a worst guy. Yeah. Oh, my God.
0: But when uh, that happened... And the Tampa Bay Rays won. It gave me somebody to root for. Jeff tagged me on Twitter, letting me know that, too. Um, here's something. And, look, I know Jeff was doing it, and I appreciate Jeff doing it. He can feel free to do it. I just want him to know, like, when it comes to doomsday scenarios and things like Yankees-Astros, uh, if you think I don't have a pulse on that, I don't – I am so – ready for the darkest moment at any given moment. I knew the Yankees were winning that game. And luckily, Brusso hits that home run to make that scenario, not something in reality, but I was yeah. already I like envisioning. You yeah. yeah. I was already envisioning Yankees, Astros, ALCS again. And this time I have to face the reality that the Houston Astros are cheaters. And I'm going to look the other way on it because I can't root for the New York Yankees. Um, But luckily, the Tampa Bay Rays won. I will root for the Tampa Bay Rays. I've loved them being up 2-0. I love the Houston Astros' error, which set up a three-run homer in today's game. And then the Astros never looked back. I'm rooting for the Braves against the Dodgers. Not because I have anything against the Dodgers, but just because everybody wants the Dodgers. So I don't. Just because. They're also one of those rich teams in baseball. So... I'm not going to yeah. root for the big market.
1: I'm National League from here. I'll take the Braves or the Dodgers. I, I'd rather see the Braves coming out of there, out of the uh, NL. I was I was liking my Padres. They just weren't even close there against Mm-mm. the Dodgers in the last series. Yeah, the Braves are who I was big on last year, and I was really pumping them up last year, thinking they could get it done. They did not. Um, so I wouldn't mind seeing them do it this year. But eventually,
0: What's your beef with the Rays?
1: I just don't. I hate watching games that happen in that stadium so it's maybe not like them.
0: Like I well, just I news, don't like that stadium on There TV. will be no game at that stadium. I know.
1: But it's made me not like them over the years. Like it it's driven me to this point where like oh, I don't want to watch the Rays. It's whatever. I get that they're the anti Yankees and Red Sox in that division. I understand that concept. I just I'd rather the Orioles out of that division than Tampa Bay.
0: Well, me too. But Tim <laughs> Kurchin says the Tampa Bay Rays are the smartest team in baseball.
1: I mean, look at them. They're back. Like, they, they came out of nowhere and had that stretch of good when uh, the crazy man was coaching them. And now they're back again. I mean, it, it reminds me of the Heat. Like, they just keep finding a way to get back to the top. I just
0: love that, that also Brousseau was the guy that Aroldis Chapman threw at his head. And yes. he gets the ultimate the revenge by just great. hitting the home run off of him and knocking him out of the playoffs. And I will say this: I was not scared that the Yankees once they lost the lead. I was not scared of the Yankees coming back. Once the Rays got the lead, I, I felt pretty good. I was like, okay, this this piece is done. The I'm Tampa glad, Bay Rays just did out. God's work and provided some light in 2020 in this hellscape. So, um, uh, just I mean, I know the just know seeing the Yankees lose, just seeing the Yankees lose, the Yankees lose though, is like almost as happy as the orioles winning
1: i did i send you i might have liked it I, there was like this yankees lose like and it's like making fun of big the poppy yankees does win. it
0: yeah big poppy yankees lose it's like
1: a, a stream but it's like this whole stream of like spongebob squarepants which i'm not into spongebob but there was this one episode where there's this techno song that's banging it's doing to that and then there's bane from batman like it just like hits like all this stuff that i am very familiar with in my pop culture growing up and now and it just like pulls all of them in i loved it
0: i just yeah i mean just looking at how much money the yankees spend to not win a world series is so beautiful say what you will about the baltimore orioles and we suck and we're not relevant and blah 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 You guys are last place in the division. You're terrible. Actually, we're not last place in the division, but you guys are near the bottom of the division, blah, blah, blah. That's fine. We didn't spend a half a billion dollars to go out there and not win a World Series. We got a better draft pick than you, and neither one of us won the World Series, so who really lost?
1: Oh, yeah, that, that always the that always uh, crucial, having the better pick in the Major League Baseball draft. It usually That's does come out right. to play. That's right. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, we're going to talk NBA playoffs in the B block. So let's just go. Actually, let's skip back to some news that broke on Monday afternoon just to make sure we catch it. Uh, JMU basketball is now on hold for COVID reasons. Just mentioning it. Here's Joe's shocked face. I mean, it,
0: oh, I don't. it's care. not surprising at all. It's not surprising, but I also don't care. I know it's the yeah. new coach's first year, and he needs as much time as he can to help this team. I'm not judging him on this year because of COVID if college basket, well, college basketball will happen. But when I saw that news, it was like breaking news, JMU men's basketball is on pause. I was like, cool. Uh, who cares? I, I, I just don't know how to say this. I just don't think that basketball team is going to be good, whether they have extra practices or
1: no practices. I I'm hope they are. I'm not against them. Like, I hope they can get good. I'm not against like, them I,
0: either. I just think this year is a wash. Really? I, I don't think this team's going to be good. No, they got rid of uh Dirty Jobs, Lewis Rowe, so I, I'm fine.
1: I just, I, I'm rude. I hope they can get good. I hope this year's a step in the right direction. And, and I, they can all happen this year. Like, you still have the guy that's what that I'm saying.
0: Like, year, it would be nice if they were better, but I, I don't think they're going to be better until this guy's able to, like, try to recruit some. Whether he Tice can get them to change the East name. Drop. Yeah, whether they can get him to change the name to, you know, Tyler Nickel University, TNU, um, I don't know. It'd be
1: a much taller statue uh, over at the quad. Yeah. The James we Madison can tear down that. James
0: <laughs> Madison. He's a midget, yeah. Who cares? Um <laughs> let's put somebody with some height in there in that statue. Let's put Tyler Nichols statue Duncan. up there. Yeah, what did James Madison ever do for this country? What a loser. <laughs> he couldn't even dunk.
1: <laughs> Billy Bean is leaving Oakland's front office, which uh, obviously that's the, the uh, main man in the Moneyball story and kind of the leader of the uh, the whole Moneyball way of thinking about baseball that everybody's at least adopted some piece of in their uh, operating of baseball teams. He's not leaving to go to Boston, but he is going to the Fenway Group uh, who own Liverpool and other entities. I guess there's a racing. Don't they have some racing? I, they I'm might. They that might
0: on, have gotten in racing. Head. I don't know if it's uh, NASCAR, but I think it's some kind of racing. Might be so F1. he's
1: going to be part of that business group and provide his uh, expertise and approach to that business. And it'll be interesting to see where he kind of lands in there and what kind of impact he has there. Um, it's a it's a loss for Oakland. You know that was a piece that's been there for two decades plus. So uh, it'll be different in Oakland. You know, not having that kind of storyline behind the scenes there. But just I thought that was a pretty eye opening piece of news to come in through late Monday.
0: Yeah. Um, I was kind of surprised. Yeah. I, when you said that, I was like, I did not realize that that was a thing. So um, I, I don't know what they're going to do, uh, but I will say like, I just think it's, it's interesting when you see, oh, they are, they're involved with Roush Fenway racing. Uh, yeah, so there they are. Go. They are involved in NASCAR. Um, yep. but,
1: I thought it was. I wasn't going to argue, though. So obviously know more about NASCAR than any person on the planet.
0: I I don't think I said that. I just knew DEI was a (laughs) was a uh, cup team. But yeah, so I think it's I don't know what he's going to do if he's not involved with the baseball side. I don't know what I would trust him to do. (laughs) I don't know that much about Billy Bean, to be fair. Maybe he's a super stock car racing kind of guy and maybe he'll fit in there
1: too though you get a lot of these people and there's kind of like upper management kind of big picture kind of approach kind of thinking guys like he's probably not doing the grunt work so i, I bet he has some impact if they're that's a money making entity there if they're pulling him in for that they, they know what they're getting and it, if even if he doesn't know much about liverpool soccer or something like
0: i don't stuff, want him to have baseball, any decisions there yeah i don't want him to have any decisions But
1: it might there. just be more like generalization about the company not specific to any one team or entity within the company. It might just be more, you know, these people get on boards and stuff like that. He might have some kind of an equivalent kind of spot with them there.
0: I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I just don't, don't want him understand. to make. I want him to have zero decision-making capability with Liverpool football club. And don't worry after the Merseyside derby this weekend, we'll get a soccer update, but I'll wait till next week.
1: Sounds like I'm on the edge of my seat there. All right, it's we a big Merseyside okay. derby.
0: Everton's first place in the Premier League right now. They're, they're they've won every match. Liverpool can't say the
1: same right now. We teased Cody. Co, we teased Cody Elliott in the B block. Let's get to that B block. the b block this week we welcome back cody elliott from the dnr for my records the 11th time that we have cody on uh so cody thanks for coming on again
2: yeah absolutely
1: uh 11 times that seems like a lot (laughs) it doesn't we haven't had you on for a bit we left you alone this summer while (laughs) uh there was no sports to talk about (laughs) yeah
2: there wasn't much to talk to me about that's for sure (laughs)
1: All right. Well, let's dive into what we can talk about and uh, not a not a positive thing to first lead off with, but uh, important to recognize uh, your coverage on uh, Michael Roadcap from Spotswood and, and the tragedy that happened up there in Elkton. And, and uh, you know, Phil, maybe our listeners might not know everything, so fill them in on that and, and talk about, uh, you know, what you learned about Michael Roadcap uh, from covering this and, and what you might have known before.
2: Yeah, um, Michael Rokap was a, uh, a 17-year-old junior at Spotswood. Actually, um, it was a little tricky because he actually was enrolled in East Rock this year as a result of the redistricting that they did. Um, but, you know, obviously everything's virtual up here in Rockingham County right now. So <laughs> a lot of people didn't even realize he was actually a part of East Rock yet. Um, but he had been at Spotswood the past two years, um, just an all-state wrestler, great guy, and uh, got in a car accident last uh, Friday, Was a pass- or two Fridays ago, was a passenger um, and, and died on the scene. And, um, you know, all state wrestler, uh, the past two years as a freshman and a sophomore. Um, so obviously very talented. I believe his record was something like 69 and 30 with 39 pins. Um, he was, he was ranked sixth in the state, both years, um, a a district champion, uh, you know, just really, really good wrestler. I mean, all around, I I can remember watching him last year and I was really impressed with him. He's one of the guys that I thought really had a chance. Um, when I did the, the Who's Next series a couple months ago talking about some of the up-and-comers to watch for this year. He was one of the names I had listed, um, a really talented guy, and um, I think his best days in, on the mat were ahead of him. Um, and, it, you know, that, that was all great and everything. And then the one thing I think I learned, uh, you know, was just as good as he was on the mat and as much as, you know, we all respected him and, and enjoyed watching him wrestle, he was an even better person off of it. Um, you know, just speaking to some of his teammates and his coaches – um, his, his club coach at, at uh, Shenandoah Valley Wrestling Club, um, everybody said the same thing. I mean, he just went to work. He put his head down. He's a blue-collar kid. Um, you know, I don't think he, he got caught up in too much. He didn't have any social media. He didn't, you know, care about any of that stuff. It was just he wanted to wrestle, and he wanted to go home and, mm. and be with his family. And um, his younger sister, Brittany, is actually now a freshman at East Rock. She also wrestles. Um, so, so the family, you know, will kind of be able to um, hopefully live uh through her and and kind of see you know michael worked with her a lot that's what his mom uh, told me last week was he could spend a lot of time with her kind of um you know teaching her the ins and outs of wrestling and things like that and kind of hoping that she would be able to to be successful at the varsity level and uh yeah now they're gonna you know have a chance to see that and um yeah just a tragic tragic act you know incident and uh, both both communities are really, you know, they were yeah. really struggling. It was a it was a rough couple of days for I think, you know, both Spotswood and East Rock combined.
1: The student uh, from a community like that, uh, but then also one that you know is so so viewable and and having such success in athletics, it, it, it usually does uh, draw more people's attention. But uh, a tragedy and uh, a big a big void up there.
2: Absolutely, yeah, and. I think the, the one thing, you know, these things are never um, good. There's, there's, it's never a positive, but I think, you know, the one thing that you can always say when you see things like this is you kind of see communities come together, and I think that's what was the coolest part um, about this. You know, Spotswood and East Rock have their rivalry um, with sports, but, you know, when it came down to this and um, when this happened, you just kind of saw both communities come together. Uh, yeah. I heard, you know, they had family night um, the, the Monday following the accident, and, and they said it was a packed house. Um, you know, cars were were all the way down thirty three. So, um you know, just it—it's a tragedy. um But you know, it—it is—it does warm your heart to kind of see the communities come together and everybody kind of, you know, even you had guys from Broadway and TA and wrestlers from Rockbridge sure down two hours. So, you know, you had all the surrounding schools kind of come together, especially in the wrestling community, because the wrestling community is—it's a little different than any other sport in the terms of you know those guys go out there and they. They put it all on the mat, and they, you know, they're they're physical with each other. They throw each other around, and then at the end of the mat, you know, at the end of the match, you don't have anyone to blame but yourself. And that's where you see a lot of the respect come with these wrestlers. Is you know, even people that I talked to about Michael, they said that you know, whether you beat him or you, or you lost to him, at the end of that at the end of the match, he was going to shake your hand and and tell you you know, good job, whatever. And um that's something I think is pretty cool about wrestling. It's a pretty tight knit community, and I think you saw that you know kind of come to life um you know during this.
0: Well, uh, again, you know, I, I think I speak for Leland too. Uh, our hearts and thoughts go out to the family there and uh, hope that they can be able to move on. And um, just a really sad story, like Cody said, uh, but moving to the sports side uh, and what we're looking ahead to. We talked last week to TJ you about it a little bit, but with you, uh, we want to ask you to with Tyler Nickel coming up again a lot of colleges looking at him with in terms of basketball and hoping to be able to convince him to come to their school. Uh, do you, are you hearing any other new schools or know of maybe something he's thinking in terms of a college decision?
2: Yeah, no, I, I haven't heard anything on the decision. I'm actually scheduled to talk with him tomorrow um, ah, We're a day early, <laughs> <laughs> just to kind of catch up and see where he's at. Um, but you know, I don't think I don't expect him to rush through that decision especially with with covid having a huge impact this summer mm-hmm. um but you know he he has had opportunity I'm sure TJ mentioned he's he's been invited to the wooden camp which is considered the top 50 juniors in the country so obviously he's quickly rising up the the national board um and that's considered kind of an evaluation for the McDonald's All-American game yeah um you know he he's done <laughs> You know he's getting national attention for a reason. I mean, it, it, it's kind of to the point. You know, I, I don't think you're surprised anymore. Anytime you see a school that it does come up or does get mentioned, um, you know, I know Stanford, Wisconsin, Pitt has recently been talking to him. So, you know, pretty much name a conference and you can find a couple schools from that conference that's been interested in him at some point. Um, you know, if you go onto some of the national recruiting sites, you know, I've seen UVA is is a projected crystal ball, but that's I'm pretty sure that's just because people are assuming that because he's from Elkton and and things like that. From what I've you know, from the conversations I've had with Tyler, um, you know, he hasn't even went on business yet. He hasn't done any of this stuff like that. So he's got a little bit of a ways to go. Once the NCAA finally gets back to kind of letting letting the normal recruiting period and recruiting phase happen, uh, I don't. I just don't see him rushing this decision. I can see him making it. You know, beginning a senior year, maybe even during senior year, I mean, I just don't see him making that decision anytime in the next coming up, the upcoming months, you know, maybe if COVID wouldn't have happened and he would have had a normal all season and he could you know, go to these places, but I just don't see that happening um, you know, with the, with the circumstances right now.
0: So, speaking of COVID um, with the, you know, we're all hoping that VHSL sports are back uh, soon, but with the kind of the, the threat of not getting past phase three still in the balance here. Are we looking kind of at a situation where maybe Tyler Nichol is thinking about transferring and going somewhere else to a, to one of these private schools or academies to play basketball?
2: I, I you know, that's, I guess up in the air up until this, up until COVID I would have told you absolutely not. I've I've said that for, probably, you know, a year, year and a half now, people have asked me if, if I ever thought, you know, even when he was starting to blow up naturally nowadays, people expect these kids, um, to go to prep academies or, you know, go to these other schools to get more opportunities. And I think those schools are more meant for kids who, you know, maybe aren't getting the looks that they want, um, where they are. Sure. Then, then maybe take a chance and go to a St. Anne's or a Miller school or wherever. Um, you know, I think with Tyler, he's clearly getting, you know, I don't think he, anywhere else is going to boost his, um, his, his recruitment anymore. Now that could all change. Of course, if, uh, if the VHSL, something happened that the VHSL can't go ahead um, with sports in December um, and, and, you know, basketball season for some reason got canceled completely um, and he found another league that was willing to play then, you know, certainly maybe, but, you know, from what I've heard, you know, we have Eastern Mennonite up here, which is in the the VISAA, which they have three divisions. Um, Their top division is very competitive with Miller school, and VHSL in terms of expectations. It's, there's actually probably less of an expectation that they play more than the VHSL. The VHSL actually at least has a plan in place. The VISA has been a little bit behind the eight ball on that. So, um, you know, it, it would be interesting to see. I, I think if the, if the VHSL did have to cancel the season, and Lord, you know, I hope not <laughs> for Seriously. my sake as well. But if that did happen, you know, I'm sure that he would look into his options. Um you know, but I, I don't know what options would be there, honestly, because if the VHSL is a playing, I don't know who is. And on top of that, you know, again, you know, I just think he's in a good spot right now. And, and his travel ball circuit is where he's continuously got his looks over the years anyways. Um, and, you know, f- travel ball is certainly usually over by this point in, this, in the school year, typically. Um, but, you know, just this past weekend, he played in the scene circuit, um, you know, along with several other local guys. Uh, that's that. They still have two more weekends of that, so there are opportunities out there for him to get his name out there. Still, um, it'll just be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, that's something I haven't thought about. I, I don't know. That would be interesting to see what would happen if if they cancel the year. But you know, fingers crossed. We don't we don't have to cross that bridge.
1: <laughs> well, for all those times that I've uh, on the radio hopped on one of your interviews uh, after a game, uh, feel free to ask that question tomorrow and uh, use it from us. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So uh, looking at uh, – I really appreciated your outlook on high school football uh, kind of feeding the need there uh, for a couple uh, – a little bit of time there where you were looking at the schedules ahead and talking about the big games. So going through each district, Valley, Shenandoah, and we'll throw Bull Run into just because we can't talk too much high school football, name one game in each one of those uh, districts that uh, if you got to cover any games this year, if you could only cover three games or one game in each district, which game would you pick from each district?
2: Yeah, I mean, in the Valley to start, you know,
1: I, I think you have to, as,
2: as long as, you know, the tradition remains, you have to go with harrisburg Spotswood. Um, yeah. That's added the district championship for the past three, four years now. Um, <laughs> last year was a very intense game, um, not in terms of the score, but just in terms of some stuff. You know, during the game tensions yep. and afterwards as well. Um, those two teams do not like each other very much, so that's always a fun rivalry. And again, like I said, that's that's come, that's decided the district champion for several years now. So, um, you know, I certainly think there are other games and other teams this year that are going to make that district more interesting. But you know, until that's proven, I think that has to be the game you look look toward. Um, you know, and then going to the bull run, I think uh, the, the one game I think I guess that stands out, especially for me. Is East Rockingham and LeRae. Um, East Rock's kind of rebuilding a little bit, but we said that last year, and they they surprised us and put together another strong year. Um, you know they're rebuilding a bit, but the, but the game that stood out to me, I guess, and the reason why this one kind of is something to watch is, you know, East Rock was kind of having a mediocre year last year, and they played LeRae, um up in the Shenandoah Valley Football Classic, and had, I think at that point had either zero losses or one loss. They were they were in control of the bull run, and East Rock just. I mean, whooped them that night um, up at JMU. I mean, it was not even close from the start. And from there, it kind of seemed like it propelled both teams. Larray ended up going and losing early in the playoffs. And East Rock obviously went to the regional championship against draft. Uh, So it would be interesting to see. LeRae's got a pretty good squad again. They've got Austin Holloway back at running back. Dalton Griffith, the the quarterback, is back. So they're going to be pretty strong. They got everybody back. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So they're going to be a good team. And it's going to be interesting to see, you know, maybe they want to get some revenge and – you know, that's just always a game I feel like those are two of the teams in that district now, you know, along with Strasburg and Clark. They've kind of established themselves as kind of the upper echelon. And um, You know, it's just a game locally, I think, that will be one of interest.
1: And you uh, see with, a lot of social media trash between those two programs as well.
2: Absolutely, and two very passionate fan bases. And, yeah. uh, you know, Larray kind of falls over into the – you know, they kind of trickle into the Page County area, of course, and Elkton's right there, so – you know, you got a lot of some, probably some family ties and things like that there. Uh, that's sure. It's definitely a, an intense one. Um, and then to the Shenandoah, I guess, uh, you know, I think it has to be Riverheads and draft. I mean, yeah, you know I think draft is, um, going to be really good again. Obviously Riverheads is Riverheads, uh, you know, Kobe, uh, Rothgeb from Wilson, uh, now at draft. So that's a huge, you know, adding him with Aaron Nice in that backfield, it's just, you know, that's, that's pretty, uh, pretty strong duo there for them. And, um you know draft just I was really impressed with them last year obviously they they lost some pieces there with Will Jones and a couple of those guys but I think overall they're going to be strong again and um you know what what can you say about Riverheads that that hasn't been said but um I think when you look at the Shenandoah as a whole those are the two teams to uh to watch for and that's the game and that you know whenever those two teams are good there's no doubt that the crowd is uh, oh yeah out and everything else follows I mean From when I was working for the Waynesville Paper, I mean, that was always the game. I can remember, you know, whatever year it was, in uh, 2016 maybe, 2015, and the stands were just absolutely packed out at Storch Draft. I mean, it's just um, probably one of the bigger rivalries now with with Wilson kind of being down recently. I think Draft's kind of taking that role on um, a little bit more recently. So uh, that's probably the one in Shenandoah. But, yeah, I mean, a lot of games, like I said, you know, across the board, I'm just – excited to have and I I think it makes it more interesting I mean obviously I prefer a 10 game season but just basically just district games for all these teams I mean that's you know you have no time to you know get your kinks out it's okay it matters
1: week one and it matters from there on there's no yeah and everybody's gonna play I mean everybody's schedule is you know five of six games are the exact same for most of these districts so I mean it's just everybody's gonna have the same schedule and that that makes it very even makes it fun
2: yeah, absolutely. And then that's what's it's kind of been funny to see what some of these teams have done for the non district. I think for the most part, everybody's kind of played it safe. Nobody, you know, you didn't see anybody try to go schedule a, a class five or a class six school <laughs> or, you know, try to just work on things.
1: Now, this year, it's kind of like, okay, well,
2: we have six games. We need to try to, you know, schedule someone we could, you know, at least have a chance against.
1: <laughs> yeah. A lot of even matchups, what it, it was, was exciting to see out of those.
2: Absolutely. And I, I thought it was cool. Some of the,
1: you know, some of the non district matchups are,
2: are you know, interesting, like Swords Draft and Broadway is a, is a game. Um, you know, I can't remember the last time those two teams played, but, um, you know, that's a game that kind of takes me back to when I was in school and and that was a Valley District rivalry you and know, a Valley District game and um, just different matchups like that. And then, of course, up here we have Spotswood playing William Bird, and that's, of course, Brad Lutz from Broadway is, is now the coach there. So that's an interesting dynamic. Um, so, yeah, some, some pretty cool matchups
1: uh, across the board for the non-district games. Yeah, last time Draft and Broadway played was 2016. Draft winning thirty
2: five seven. Yeah, my it, it could you know it's going to be interesting to see what Broadway has this year because they're a team that yeah. you know they struggled a lot last year, but I think I really do think they're they're one of those teams. They remind me of TA from two years ago where I kind of thought they were right on the brink of turning things around, and then um, obviously TA had a heck of a year last year, so it'll be interesting to see if Broadway can do something similar.
1: Yeah, it will be interesting to see what Broadway can do, and that uh, kind of brings me. To the next feature you've done lately for the DNR that I've really enjoyed, you've done a lot of uh, flashbacks on this day for the DNR, and and it's a lot of high school football, and, and that's what draws my attention first. I think you, you grab some other stuff, but the high school football is probably you know what I'm familiar with the most, and so I wanted to ask you which story, looking back, stood out to you most. For me, it was a Broadway story, and it was talking about their head coach that had uh, so many wins had just kind of launched at broadway i just wasn't as familiar with broadway back then and, and i know you played in the valley district so you probably were aware of that but i that kind of made me know more about broadway's history when you brought that up on this day but what was one thing that kind of stood out to you most that looking at those on these days you maybe didn't know before or, or it kind of was jaw dropping when you looked back
2: well there's one game particularly well one performance i guess just
1: to say that really stood out
2: the most and that was um michael holmes yeah um Larry Lee. I mean, I, I forget the rushing total now, but it was some. It was just something ridiculous. It was like 400 some yards, I believe. And then, like, it, I think it was eight touchdowns. And this was all by halftime. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I I think that just speaks for itself. That was just an insane performance. And you know, and adding to that, I think the one thing that stood out to me, I guess, was just you know, it's just cool to me to look back and see some of the names, some of the names that maybe you forgot about. Um, you know, not every single star athlete around here goes on to play, um, at the next level. And, and, you know, Daquan Scott from Lee, he obviously went to JMU. That's not, that's not the case there, but he was a guy that had a lot of big games and it was kind of, it kind of brought back flashbacks of him because I played against him. Um, Alex Owa from Harrisonburg was another guy. Uh, and then recently, you know, uh, in the early 2010s, um, DJ Hines from Short Straff was a guy that was, that was mm-hmm. on there. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was just a bunch of, you know, it was just really cool Terrell Mickens when he was playing for Lee, was yeah. Lee basketball coach. So I think that's just been the coolest part for me is just going back and seeing these names that you maybe kind of forgot about or kind of forgot how capable of an athlete they were. And then when you actually see the numbers now, um, you know, and going back and reading them, it's, it's pretty interesting to me. And uh, you know, that's been something that's, it's kind of just fun. And and I think people have enjoyed it and um you know, it's obviously something to keep me busy <laughs> while all those no sports are happening. Uh. But that's been fun. And then, you know, right now I'm working on the, uh, we're working on a special section, um, an entire section dedicated to girls basketball in the Valley. And so I've been interviewing Jeremy Hartman because he coached the league girls. And of course, the Buffalo Gap girls had those state titles. Um, you know, Spotswood a Run, Broadway, TA. Yeah. Seven or eight years in a row, where the valley, somebody from the valley in general, had brought home a state title, which is pretty incredible. And you know, going back and reading about some of those uh, players and some of those memories, some of those stories, I mean, it's it's really cool. I enjoy it, and you know, it's always reading stuff like that. Kind of, you know, it gets you fired back up and motivated again for for the season to start because you're like, man, like you just relive it, and then you're like, man, I'm ready to go cover a game like that now. I'm ready to write a story now. So I'm definitely ready ready to write a game story after
1: you know going back. <laughs>
0: Well, I want to move it to uh keep it basketball related, but move it to the professional level. Um I think you've mentioned on here before that you're you're a Lakers fan, so your Lakers end up winning the NBA title this year in six over the Miami Heat. Uh what do you think of the series, the bubble, the playoffs in general?
2: Yeah, let, let me clarify one thing. I am a Kobe fan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Lakers fan in 2020, but um, I certainly respect you know what they did and things like that. I thought the series uh was interesting. I thought you know, um, obviously it's just another uh, another mark for LeBron, another you know, another thing for his legacy. Um, I think the thing that stands out to me the most though was the Heat. I thought that was the biggest takeaway yeah. from the bubble, um, especially. I mean, Jimmy Butler, you know, I, how can you not respect what he did? Uh I mean, that that team was just so fun to watch they were gritty they they did all the right the little things that nobody else wants to do and I, I that was something I enjoyed you don't see that too much out, out of the NBA um you don't find too many teams that do that and it was just really cool to see how they really you know kind of took on the personality of their leader um and you know just made an incredible run and you know even when they were down 3-1 that game six performance I mean I, I watched the fourth quarter of that game and LeBron was, you know, he was absolutely, he had an an, incredible night, Um, a four-point triple-double, and every time he would go down and get a bucket, um, Jimmy Butler had an answer, and and that was just really cool to watch. And, um, you know, uh, you have to have a lot of respect for LeBron, but, I, you know, again, I think the one thing that stood out to me was the Miami Heat's performance. I just... Uh, I think I think Jimmy Butler, you know, took himself for maybe just being a guy that everybody knew. To now, you know, I think he's got you got to consider him a, a, at least a, a star, definitely, but maybe even a superstar in the NBA.
0: So, since you said you're not a Lakers fan, I'll ask this follow up um, because I know, for me at least, when I was looking, uh, and you know the the Lakers clinched the title, and then I was just I just couldn't help but roll my eyes at all the people on Twitter who are Lakers fans being like this is for all those people that said we couldn't do it. And I'm like, who are those people? Because I think every NBA, ex- NBA expert at the beginning of the year was saying either Clippers or Lakers are winning the title. I, I don't remember a whole lot of other teams being thrown out there.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I-, I don't think many people picked against them. Um, yeah, you know, I- it's... <laughs> I'm probably the worst one to talk about this because I'm in a I'm in a group chat with about 10 LeBron fans who oh, you know, <laughs> they, you know they are never satisfied. So, um, you know I, I it, it's tough. I, I have no doubt that LeBron is one of the best players of all time, and I and I hate getting into that argument with people. It's the most. I'm just so over the argument in general. <laughs> but you know I just think uh, you know, Lakers. I just think just, they had. I think that's how Lakers fans have always been, even when they had Kobe and Shaq, and even when, you know, it, when they had Kobe and Dwight Howard and Steve Nash and all those guys, I mean, they just always play this role. Like, nobody thinks we can win, but everybody knows they're the Lakers. I mean, um, you know, I guess 10 years in L.A. probably feels like, you know, 100 years anywhere else, uh, you know, besides Boston maybe. There's, it, it, I think they're just so used to winning, and so when they go through a 10-year stretch, it's like, you know, the world, is, the world is crashing on them. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I was I just say, say, it's be a Wizards di- fan.
1: yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting dynamic in that town because, like, everybody kind of—I—I I, I don't think everybody was against the Lakers, but you know, two years ago, before right before LeBron came there, it was like, well, it's a Clippers town now, and Ballmer had <laughs> bought them, and all this, and even even like with LeBron there and them not making the playoffs last year, there was like all this Clippers talk, and it's just like in a snap of a finger, no, it's it's Lakers, and it'll always be Lakers. It's never gonna be a Clippers town, like just. It it just isn't. It's like if, when the Yankees kind of drip, they're gonna be right back at it, and and okay. it's just it, it's just like that. Well, it's interesting to me too, is, and
2: and I'm not one of these guys, but a lot you know, there's a lot of Kobe fans and LeBron fans who, you know, they hate the other player. You know, LeBron fans don't like Kobe, and Kobe fans don't like LeBron. And it's interesting to me how now all of a sudden, you know, how many people, you know, how many people who are actually laker fans and you know not just like myself who was a kobe fan but you know after kobe left you know i went on and cheered for the dc teams i'd cheer for the wizards gosh yeah that's awful, by the way but you know terrible transition yeah it's zero to ten <laughs> I would recommend ron you know how all of a sudden this fan base is like oh now now we like lebron because he brought us a title so it's very interesting like you said it's it, the dynamic around that that team has changed so much in two years i mean. You know, I can remember a lot. it. Just it seems like forever ago now that Brandon Ingram and and Lonzo Ball and all them were on that team with LeBron, and that was literally just two years ago at this day, and it feels like it was like ten years ago at this point.
0: We'll see what happens yeah. if he's able to win another title there, but it does kind of feel a little bit like the Jeter A Rod thing, where Kobe will always be the Jeter kind of guy to the Lakers fans, and LeBron will kind of be the A Rod.
1: Yeah,
2: I'm. That's yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, as long as, you know, unless LeBron just reels off five straight titles or something. Yeah, something that's what I'm doing. saying.
0: Like, we'll see what how many else he can win, but it, it kind of feels like that where it's like this will always kind of be Kobe's team. Well, yeah, uh, there's
2: a, yeah. I think a lot more that goes into the Kobe thing too than LeBron because Kobe was a guy who got drafted or not got drafted, but, you know, started his career mm-hmm. there, uh, spent his entire career there, uh, you know, I think, you know, it's a little, there's just a lot more than, you know, even just championships, I think, is a lot of reasons. The reason sure. that, that loves Kobe is, you know, probably a lot more than just the five rings or whatever. I think there's, you know, it kind of goes deeper than that, so.
0: Uh, is Hokies football over?
2: Oh, absolutely not. No. No. It, Hokies football is not over. No. I, look. This is blue. what I deal with every week. It kind of feels
0: like Clemson or bust.
2: Every year. <laughs> Gosh, no, man, no. Oh, gosh. Okay. No, you know, there's there things that need to be fixed, but. Um,
0: well, but I head mean, coach is one of them.
2: <laughs> oh, man. No, I, I'm not. I am not giving up on that team yet at all. I, I think, you know, I'm not saying Saturday was a, a beautiful showing. About needs. There's a lot of things that needs, needs to get fixed, especially defensively and with some of the decisions on the offensive side as well. But, um, I mean, I think UNC is legit. I definitely do think they're the real deal. I think they deserve credit. Um, you know, I, I think we could have won the, or, you know, I should probably need to stop saying we as a journalist. I need to get
1: out of that phase. With the <laughs> hey, <can't>. that degrees hang <laughs> on your wall, man. It's a we. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think, you know, they need to, to they could have
2: won the game, and they, they, they certainly have reasons to be upset with both sides with different, uh, you know, different ways. But um, I think there's definitely a lot of positives, too. I mean, um, what we
1: saw at a hooker, I think you couldn't have asked for much better.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would love to see yeah, him in the I, first half.
1: <laughs> and we've beat that to death in in the A block, but yeah, it sounds like you are on a level headed approach, closer to to me than what you know, Joe, on the edge of the cliff here. Uh, one thing that's like frustrating me though is like, I mean, I take some pride out of what our coaching staff was able to do, especially in the NC State game, and and well enough in the Duke game that you know we're missing a lot of guys and we're still finding W's and, and sure, a loss always makes you look at things differently, but man, like, it just seems like these, none of the other teams around the country, especially the ACC, have had old. Coaches. And it's just. guys out defense is decimated. And you just don't see that out of Notre Dame that had to postpone a game. You don't see that around the country with other programs that had to, you know, cancel a game. I just, I just wonder why it continues to spread there. And I mean, do we need to cancel? Like, is that the difference? Do we need to like cancel a game and cause chaos to our schedule just to get past this?
2: Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know what the causes you would because you would think, you know, if we, if you, it was the games that were the issues, because if we had to cancel a game, you would think that it, it was coming from there. But then you would think the other teams that we had played would have outbreaks if that was the case. So, you know. It has been frustrating. I mean, you know, they've already – they had to cancel or postpone two games already. Um, you know, I, it's hard to tell. I mean, I know there, there's there been little times, you know, little things I've read on Twitter. Like, you know, you see some, so much during the game, like just during the um, NC State game, I think it was – or no, the, sec, uh, the second game against Duke. Daryl Tapp comes over and he's he's pumped that, you know, we got a big sack and he's he's like chest bumping one of the players. And he doesn't have a mask on. I mean, and the player had just taken his helmet off. It's little things like that. I think sometimes maybe, you know, as, as football coaches and football players, you know, it's still not natural to put that mask up, you know, as, as much as it should be, as much as us as a country, you know, are trying to make that the, the normal to do and for the right, you know, for people's safety. You know, I think, you know, when you're, when they're in those, probably in those game, you know, environments and those game um, modes, you know, I think naturally they kind of just forget, you know, maybe they forget the outside world a little bit, you know, they're just playing football and they kind of forget about the safety part of it. Um, you know, we kind of saw it with Patrick Mahomes the other night after the game, when he went up to, to Gilmore and, you know, was hugging on him and giving him a high five and everything. And then we, the next day we find out Gilmore is positive. So I think it's just when they get in the, you know, and I'm not saying this is just about Virginia tech, but it, any of those teams naturally, I think one of the, one of the contributing factors is when they're out there you know, whether, and maybe this is at practice too, but you know, when you're, when they're playing the game, you know, naturally they forget, you know, that, Hey, the, the world is in a pandemic. And if, if you're not careful, you know, you could put a lot of people in jeopardy here and they're in their college kids. That's the, that's the other thing is, you know, you know, they could be in class and um, you know, Virginia tech's campus is open. They are having some classes in person. So, you know, if they go to class and, you know, whoever is sitting beside them that went to a, you know, random frat party or whatever, it doesn't even have to be an athlete. You know, that's a possibility too. So I think there's just a lot of factors and it seems like, you know, maybe something happened early on and now it's just been one of those things where um, between the contact tracing and um, actual cases, yeah. uh, you know, I think we're at, that's where that's where you're seeing a lot of the numbers come from.
1: Yeah. It's just tough to, you know, the 15 minutes before the game, find out, you know, the Dozens of players that are missing every week. It's just tough, tough that way. But Cody, thanks for jumping on with us. Uh, we're going to let you get out of here because we've uh, been all over the place with you already, <laughs> and uh, we appreciate you coming on. We look forward to getting you back, especially when high school uh, sports is getting back going. Yeah, no problem. Look forward to it, guys. And and I'll, I'll plug for you, and you can clean up, uh, if I don't say it right, but, I mean, obviously, Cody Elliott for the DNR, and they have – you can go to their website and find everything he has, follow him. Uh, but also his own podcast that he hosts are always, are always good listen. So I recommend that for all our listeners, like always. D-block time on the Exports podcast. I'll kick it off with what is dominating my life. Every so often I talk about what movie that is borderline that I should have shown my eight-year-old. And uh, this week's edition of that was Close Encounters of uh, the Third Kind there the uh, Steven Spielberg movie from the late seventies there, I believe. And uh, it's an alien movie. And what I've kind of established with that movie, cause it is pretty tame. Um, there's suspense. There's not really any kind of horror. I like alien movies, uh, sci-fi movies that aren't the like alien, like the horror movies are, are like the pop out and get you kind of movies as much. I'm more of just like, I just like watching movies. I think in general where like the world changes and up until this year, maybe this year will drive that out of me because the world has changed, but just seeing like even non-alien movies, but like, or yeah, alien movies like independence day or other ones where here, alien shows up. How does the world react to this? And so close encounters is, is I think a good one. It's a, it's kind of more, uh, micro because it's more of individuals that you kind of follow mainly one, um, And then there's like this one place that kind of gets centered around in this movie. It's not the whole nation. It's not the whole world kind of coming in terms of this. But I do find it interesting and how the government is portrayed and how they handle that. Um, So I really like that movie. I remember the first time I watched it, I was probably in middle school. It was coming on one of the movie channels like on a Monday night. And my dad said, oh, we're going to leave it here. You'll like this because he knew what kind of movies I liked growing up. And I just sat there kind of with my jaw dropped watching the whole thing because I just thought it was so interesting. I got to see my daughter, my oldest, um, kind of have some similar reactions in that movie. And there was some there was some times where she was just so into it, she couldn't feel me looking at her or like kind of meant to whisper into my wife that hey, she's really into this. Uh, so I really kind of the full circle atmosphere of that uh, is something I really enjoyed. Um, so Close Encounters, uh, if you haven't seen that movie, I I recommend it. I mean, it's a it's a movie from the late '70s, so there's certain standards of. Uh, Uh, special effects that you're just going to have to hand you're going to have to accept that you know the proportions are always aren't correct in these things flying across the screen um but uh it's i think it's a solid movie and it's that team that brought you jaws and brought you jurassic park and et it's you know spielberg direction uh john williams music there's some common traits between them as you get with spielberg movies so um i just recommend it for being an older movie and, and i really enjoyed watching that with my daughter
0: That's great. Um, What was dominating my life this weekend was a splitting migraine headache that I had for a good portion of the weekend. Um, I had it late Friday, kind of went away midday, until midday Saturday. Uh, I mean, it would be nice to blame Justin Fuente for it, but probably not the actual cause if I were to get medical expertise on my migraine headache. Um, But... That's what dominated my life. So, unfortunately, I didn't get to see a lot of the Georgia game. Uh, I didn't get to see any of the night games uh, with Clemson and Miami or any of that. So, that kind of stunk. Um, so, hoping next weekend's maybe a little bit better. Or this weekend coming up. But who knows? We'll just talk yeah, up to 2020. It's been great.
1: I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you on that one. Migraines are the worst. I used to – I guess I've gotten migraines – most of my life, you know, at least as an adult. And, uh, I didn't know what a migraine was, I guess. I just thought I got headaches and oh, like, I would have a no. headache and I would have like the worst headache. And like, I just didn't realize the, uh, sensitivity to light and all that was, that's what a migraine is. So mm-hmm. like now I know, and I, I get them every so often. They, they do suck. So I'm, I'm with you there.
0: Yeah. Didn't even get to, uh, didn't even get to partake really. I mean, I had half of a, half of a drink watching the Virginia tech game. So that was the bummer. We we had kind of splurged on some uh top shelf oh, of man. a of a color and a bird kind of liquor. So I was kind of excited about that. Well, there you go. They don't sponsor us, so I won't say their name, but if they ever <laughs> want to.
1: Here's the hint. Uh what I know that you need to know was disappointing news this morning to hear that Joe Morgan passed away at the age of 77. Uh, he is one of my favorite broadcasters. He's probably a guy that gets overlooked on a lot of people's lists. Um, I think we had mentioned him when we talked to our lists because we're so baseball centric, but, uh, he is just one of the best that have ever done it. And he sat in a booth with John Miller on Sunday nights on ESPN. And it was, I mean, their voices brought me into watching the games. I, I mean, I would watch Sunday night. Baseball was a soundtrack to my Sunday nights growing up. Uh, from 1990 to 2010 he did it for you know 20 years he was doing that and uh that would take me from when i was six to when i was married so it it really (laughs) dominated my watching of baseball a lot of big games that i was interested in he was calling uh with john miller and i like john miller a lot too um but having joe morgan pass away really disappointing and uh You know, it was another one of those, you know, kicks for 2020. I mean, and uh, I think a lot of people on Twitter were kind of repeating that, too.
0: Yeah, um, it's it stinks uh, to lose somebody like that, um, because, like you said, I mean, he seems like a good person on top of all that. Um, But he was great with his ability to just be able to broadcast baseball, which doesn't sound like a lot. Um, And I guess. (laughs) <laughs> being a being an Orioles fan I'm I've been kind of spoiled most years uh with Gary Thorne and Jim Palmer as the the A team there at Masson with the Orioles um but when you watch these nationally broadcasted games sometimes you're just you can understand the people who like understand baseball and the people who just played baseball but didn't quite get what they were doing um and and things slip away from them you mentioned A Rod a few weeks ago just harping on bunting and it was just like they're not gonna bunt like that's the the math and the science behind baseball is not there for bunting like until maybe you get into the extra innings but until then like that reds braves game i watched it like every time there was a runner on first and nobody had he's like they should really bunt the ball they should bunt the guy over And i'm like they should actually not do that that should be that's the opposite of what they should do um so and that's that's who's on sunday night baseball now which is i think even more frustrating about it is uh, you see yeah. someone like him and you're like, God, this guy is so dumb. Um,
1: such a level of class difference. I mean, Joe Morgan is such a respected yeah. re- respected just across the board for whatever he was doing. He was respected. He was a heck of a player for the, and particularly oh, he was with great the Reds, for the Reds. The and he red was,
0: yeah. He was a yeah. great baseball player. And you see like Hall of fame player, Hall of your fame quote here that you're going to go to, and I'll give it to yeah. you because you're the one who pulled it up. But um, he is, he is one of the best second baseman to ever play the sport. And you know, you lose that age 77 um, and that sucks.
1: Yeah. I, I was, you know, when you talk about it, when we talked about him a couple of weeks ago, I was like, you know, hope hope he'd pop up here somewhere. Or there'd be some, you know, you know, maybe not physically at a game or something, but you know, you just like to hear from him or something. And there was these uh, voices of the game that MLB network was doing earlier in the pandemic. And I had thought about his voice there, or at least John Miller too, who's John Miller still doing, still doing games for the uh, giants. So But one thing that I really thought interesting looking back at uh, Joe Morgan, I thought this kind of hit really well for him. Uh, Joe Posenik for Sports Illustrated back in 2009, he uh, spoke about the perceived disparity between Morgan's celebrated playing style and his on-air persona. This is an exact quote. That's why I'm reading it off. But here's the quote. The disconnect between Morgan the player and Morgan the announcer is one that I'm just not sure anyone has figured. Bill James tells a great story, and Bill James is the guy that originated the idea of Moneyball. Bill James tells a great story how one time John Miller showed Morgan's Morgan Bill's new historical baseball abstract, which has Morgan ranked as the second best. As the best, excuse me, I'm messing up the quote. Morgan ranked as the best second baseman of all time ahead of Rogers Hornsby. Well, Morgan starts grip griping that that was ridiculous, that Hornsby hit 358 in his career and Morgan never hit 358 and so on. And there it is that it perfectly aligned Joe Morgan, the announcer, against arguing against Joe Morgan, the baseball player. I thought that was a great thing, even though I messed up the quote there, (laughs) that Joe Morgan's reaction to this analysis of baseball as an announcer, he was arguing that he wasn't as good of a player as (laughs) as this analysis was saying he was. And so I just I think that goes to show a great credit to Joe Morgan there, that he was willing to. You know, look at how he views the game of baseball and compare it accurately as being a good announcer, and didn't need to prop himself up or or, or play himself higher. And I, I think that's something I could probably learn a lesson from uh, when I prop up Riverheads every time I talk about them. You know, you just you got to be able to recognize the differences between the two careers, and I think uh, Joe Morgan does that the best. So um, it also reminds me that Joe Morgan's voice is in Moneyball, like. They're playing clips of Joe Morgan tearing apart the, uh, the Bill James approach and what Billy Bean's doing in Oakland, and that's the voice that in, the, in that movie when the A's finally do lose in the playoffs saying how that system doesn't work. It's Joe Morgan's voice saying it, and uh, I'm going to miss hearing his voice. I have missed hearing his voice ever since 2010 because that's really the last time I heard him call a game. Uh, I know I think he caught on some games. I think he was doing some San Francisco games with John Miller some, uh but I, I really miss hearing them every week and I'm I'm gonna miss that I don't have the chance to anymore.
0: Yeah. Um that will wrap things up for us here on the Yak Sports Podcast. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Yak Sports Pod, Facebook Yak Sports Pod, or you can email us Yaksportspod at gmail dot com. Subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify so you don't miss another episode. Leland and I will be back next week where we'll talk about hopefully Virginia tech riding the ship against Boston college. And we'll be talking more local sports and yeah, the world series should be ready. Hopefully it's rays and braves, but as long as That'd it's the fun. rays versus somebody, uh, <laughs> we'll be okay. We'll make it hopefully through this.
1: Bane doesn't get to
0: the NLCS. That'd yeah. Be great. We'll, <laughs> we'll make it through the pandemic. If the rays can get into the world series, that's all we need. Um, <laughs> Give me someone to root for. But until then, folks, hope you enjoyed this extra-long episode of the Yak Sports Podcast, and we'll be back again next week. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.